0: Alright, take your Bibles and let's go to Psalms 103. Psalms 103. And today we're looking at the subject matter, Remember to Remember. So it was July 1976 in Champaign, Illinois. It was approximately 1 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. And the top eight 12-year-old sprinters in the state were on the track, lanes one through eight. And I was in lane four on that eventful day. Uh, And I had got to lane four because I had ran the fastest 100-yard dash in the semifinals. And so on that day, my mind got to thinking about all the things I had done, all the training I had done to prepare for this event. Uh, And to my left was a a kid out of Carpentersville, I believe, and then to my right was a kid out of the city of Chicago. And of course, they're both in my ear, talking about how bad they're going to blow me away, right? This is before the event starts. And so... My goal that day was, let me have the fastest start that I had ever had. I had been running track since I was eight years old. And so I can still remember, a complete hush came over the stadium. And the man said, runners to your mark. And I climb into the starting blocks. And the only thing I'm thinking at this time is, when that gun shoots off, explode, explode. So he says, runners to your mark. Get set, and I can hear him or see him raising the gun. The gun goes off, and I shoot out 25 yards down the track, 50 yards down the track. And you know, when you're running, you can sense when people are with you, right? Halfway through the event, there's nobody but me. We get to 75 yards, there's still nobody but me. Then all of a sudden, I can hear. I can hear the feet of the other sprinters coming. And I can hear the cry. (gasps) They're like, it's a dynamic race. And at the last second, I lean through the tape. And I turn around. And at every event, there was a guy who would walk out on the track with a red flag. And whoever won the race, he would stand in their lane and raise the flag. So, of course, he runs out on the track. And he gets in lane four. And he raises it. And I am the 1976 100-yard dash champ for the state of Illinois. So I look around. The crowd is clapping. I look up, and I see my family. I can still see them. My mom, my dad, my brothers, uh, my sister was there. I can still see all of that, right? That was 1976. So the question is, how come I can remember those vivid details? That's 1976. Because you remember number one, what is significant to you and you remember number two, what you love. You see how that works? You remember what's significant and you remember what you love. Now the question this morning is, what is more significant than God's word? Nothing. Not even that 1976 event that I remember. And getting that gold plated gold medal around my neck they did it just like they would do in the Olympics I stood up on the top thing and they put it over your head and everything so it was a great moment in my life obviously I still haven't forgotten it to this day but it's because it was something significant but what is more significant than God's word you remember what you love and what you understand so you are are you here with me in Psalms 103 Mm -hmm. look what God says starting in verse 1 bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? Forget not all his benefits. God tells us not to forget all of his benefits. He doesn't tell us to remember them all. You know why? Because it's not available for you to. God has done so much for you, so much for this world, that no man can remember every single detail or every single benefit. But what God does tell you to do is not to forget them all. You see how that works? So, the renewed mind is you remembering to remember. Let me say that again. Another way of looking at the definition of the renewed mind is you remembering to remember. And here's another way to look at it. You ever heard a, com- a, a, a term called mental recall? That's what I just did. I just had mental recall from something that took place in my life in 1976. Mental recall is the key to living a victorious life. And what is it that we're supposed to recall? The word. We're supposed to have mental recall regarding the word. So let's take a look at two, the first two occurrences of the word remember in the scriptures. And this will electrify you. At least it should. It electrified me. Because this sets the tone for the rest of the word. So go to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. And this is the first occurrence of the word remember in the scriptures. Genesis chapter 9. And this is around the time of Noah. And we're going to see what God tells Noah. This is, this is right after the flood. So here in Genesis 9, we'll pick the verse up here or the the section here in verse 11. And it says, and I will establish, this is God, and I will establish my covenant with you. He's talking to Noah. And a covenant is simply an agreement between two parties. God is making a, a covenant with the man Noah. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant, which I make between me and you and every living creature that it is that is with you for perpetual what Generations. generations. That's another way of God saying forever. A perpetual generations. Plural over and over. Look at the promise of God. And look what he says in verse 13. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Now, you know, that's the rainbow, right? Mm -hmm. When does the rainbow appear after rain? It's a covenant. It's a promise of God to tell the people on this planet that he's never going to allow the planet to be destroyed again by way of flood water. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. And how many have, you said? everybody sitting here seeing a rainbow, right? Yeah. You know, scientists, it's the gas mixing with this <laughs> and this. No, no, it may be all of that, but who originated it? God did. See? Verse 14. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the, bo- the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Verse 15. And I, God says, I will what? Remember. Remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. Verse 16. And the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may what? Remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. God says he will remember his covenant. God says he will remember his promises that he's made to mankind. That was just one of them. According to most theologians, they said in the Bible there are over 900 promises of God. And God remembers all 900. So what's the significance here? God will not forget his promises. He will remember. But here's the key. Listen. Will you remember? That's the key. God's not going to forget. He already said it. I will remember. But will you remember to remember what God says? Isn't that interesting? Go to Genesis 40. Here's the next use of the word remember. And this one has a little sting to it. So God wanted us to understand this one. Okay, So this is about Joseph. And you guys know the record of Joseph. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brothers planned to kill him, threw him in a pit. He ended up getting out of that pit but by some foreigners who sold him into slavery. He goes to Egypt. He's in slavery except he rises in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh puts him in a very significant position. However, Joseph must have been one handsome dude because the pharaoh's wife went after him, right? And because he wouldn't lie with her, he wouldn't have a sexual relationship with her. He ran out of the palace, she grabs his garment, his his what he's wearing and she rips it. And then guess what she says? He raped me. That's the record. Right? And then Joseph ends up going to prison. Now, this thing about it in our day and time, and it is true because we got it in the word. At points in times, men and women have gone to prison for things that they did not do. Joseph went to prison for something that he did not do. And while in the prison, he met a lot of people, and he met a butler, and he met met a baker, and he had this vision. He interpreted the dream for them, and they were getting out of prison before him, and he tells them, don't forget me when you go to Pharaoh, right? Now, let's pick up the record here in Genesis chapter 40, and in verse 20. And it says, and it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among, the, among his servants. And he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged <laughs> the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler, what? Remember Joseph, but what? Forgot forgot him. So what was the consequence? Joseph ended up staying in prison more time than he was supposed to. So what is God trying to say? Number one, don't forget my word, because we saw that in Genesis. He's not going to forget his word. You must remember to remember. But if you fail to forget, or if you forget things and don't remember, there can be consequences. That's the first two occurrences of the word remember in the scriptures. That if we fail to remember, to remember God's word, there can be consequences. Listen to this, man. The two greatest powerful resources on earth to a believer is God's word and the gift of Holy Spirit. Then we just hear that in the manifestations, that God has given us this gift, this incredible dynamic power. But guess what? The word and Holy Spirit are of no profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, if you forget. If I forget the word, the word's going to be of no profit. If I forget to utilize Holy Spirit, it's going to be of no profit to me. So that's why I'm calling this teaching, remember to what? Remember. Remember Remember to remember God's word. And the adversary, your adversary works overtime to try to get you to forget the word of God. I want to read this quote to you. And maybe this will hit it home for you a little better. Just listen up to this. It's a little long, but I can I can still read it, it makes sense. This says, and I quote, like as one deals with Jesus Christ for salvation, one must deal with Satan for victory in one's Christian walk. When we ignore Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. When we ignore Satan, there is no victory. Victory implies a fight, which implies an enemy. You cannot win unless you fight the enemy. Without your realizing it, your personal adversary, the devil, may be directing your life. His subtle wisdom, his ingenuous devices may make it easy for him to manipulate you. An outsider may maneuver you in such a way you neither suspect, suspect it nor notice it. Everything you do and say appears to be your own idea, but it isn't. It happened to Peter, Judas, and Ananias. Now listen to this. If you think no one is that clever, you are mistaken. Satan is. He can get you to waste one day after another. He can cause you to forget God and his word hours upon end. He can make you misbehave and think you're not so bad. That's the adversary, man. Now listen to this one. Many Christians can look back a year and see little or no change. Their personalities are the same. The dedication of their talents is stabilized. Their abundant sharing is not abundant. (laughs) They are not giving of themselves and receiving the benefits and dividends because they ignore Satan and his operations. So why I'm see why I'm telling you you got to remember to what? Remember. remember the greatness of God's word. If you don't remember, if you forget, that is how the adversary can steal your joy. He can steal your peace of mind. He can rob you of your abundance. He can even cause you to break fellowship with God. Why do we break fellowship with God? Most of the time it's because we have failed to remember To remember God's word. It isn't that people, you who are sitting in front of me, just hate God. I just don't want to do what God says, Don. That's usually not the case for a a mature believer, is it? But what what the adversary does is he causes you to forget. Forget what the word says, then you do opposite of it. So we got to remember to what? Remember. Remember to remember. So I want to share this great record with you, and you're you're going to see that. Look at Mark chapter 6. And haven't you heard me say and other people say that these disciples that Jesus Christ chose were ordinary men like mm. you and I? Mm. And you're going to see it in this great record. We've got to read quite a bit, but you'll, you'll get it. And this is where we're going to close out today in Mark chapter 6. And we're going to pick up the record here in verse 30. Okay, You guys there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to see that these men forgot to remember God's word. And it had a consequence attached to it. And Jesus Christ teaches them how to get back to the greatness of God's word. How to remember to remember. So we pick up the record here in Mark 6 verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus. And told him all things both that they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. See, they had been out teaching. And they were just coming back, reporting back to Jesus Christ what they had done throughout the day. And so Jesus noticed he's got his team, right? Just like a coach, he got his team. He sees his team is tired. So he's like, okay, let's get away and rest. Isn't that great to see? Mm-hmm. Huh. In verse 31. For there were many come, coming and going, and they had no leisure so much to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing and many knew him and ran a foot thither out of all the cities and outwent them and came together unto them. So basically, if you know this part of the land, it was like a huge lake that you could go from one side to the other. And it may have taken you a long time to get there. But the people saw Jesus getting on the ship with his disciples and departed. And all the people around the different cities around the lake saw it. And they ran. They ran to get because they knew where the ship was going and where it was going to dock. So obviously it was something that Jesus Christ had done before. Does that make sense? And so they ran because that's Jesus. I got to get to him. And so these people are all tailing it out of the city because they want to get to where Jesus Christ is. (laughs) And it says, and they came together unto him. Verse 33, last part of that. And then 34, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with what? Compassion. Compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. So the apostles were tired, right? That's why they were getting away. But Jesus Christ wasn't. So he he probably like, hey, you guys step back, I got this one. I'm gonna teach the people today. I got it. And so he begins to teach them the greatness of God's word. And then verse 35. And when the day was now far spent, that's interesting. Because that meant Jesus didn't just teach 10 minutes or 15 minutes. It says the day was far spent. He had a hungry audience in front of him. So he poured out the greatness of God's word to him. If they could handle five minutes, he gave them five minutes. If they could handle two hours, guess what he gave them? Two hours. Whatever it was that people... See, and I say that because you and I can rise and fall based on our expectation. What do you expect of yourself? If I can only handle a 15-minute teaching, I will never defeat the adversary. If my mind starts wandering at 15 minutes and two seconds, I'm in trouble. You've got to be able to lock in for longer than that. Would you not agree? Mm-hmm. Somebody's laughing, so some people agree with me. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place. Now the time is far past. In other words, Jesus, we're tired. Send these people away. Verse 36, send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy them what? themselves Themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. Did you notice that? He said that they may buy themselves bread. People in the religious realm has used this section of the word to teach that Christians ought to have soup kitchen lines. And just feed all the poor people in the city. Just line them up and give them free food. Well, it it wasn't that Jesus Christ gave them free food. They had money. The disciples said, send them away so that they can buy their own food. They just happened. They were so excited to get around Jesus Christ, they just happened to forget to bring their lunch that day. That's all it is. It isn't we give away free stuff to people. My goodness, people ought to read the word. Verse 37. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? So you see how this record is developing. Verse 38. And he said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. They had five loaves of bread and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all, all the people that were there to sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by how many? Fifties. There was a lot of people there. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them his to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them. And they did all eat and they were what? filled filled. now watch verse 43 and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments of the fishes whoa 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 stop stop are you paying attention (laughs) five loaves of bread and two fishes and he fed i don't know how many was here but they sat down it said in ranks by hundreds and by fifties you know what that means it was a miracle jesus christ blessed the food and every time he broke the bread it kept multiplying Every time he would break off the fish for the people, it kept multiplying. Imagine being there seeing this. This this is important because the 12 disciples, the apostles are there. They are there witnessing this. He is handing this multiplying bread to them so that they can feed all these people. The multiplying fish so they can feed all these people. Remember that. That's going to be key to our record here. They were there. Verse 44. And they did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto where? the seder, while he sent away the people. So Jesus Christ said, okay, guys, get in the ship, go over here. I'll clean up the rest of this. I'll take care of this and I'll catch up with you later. That's pretty normal, right? That's what he's telling them. Now watch this. And when he had sent them away, he departed. Jesus Christ went into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the night came, the ship was in the midst of the sea, he alone on the land. He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. So you see that? the are rowing against the wind. Can you see these 12 men? And Jesus Christ sees it. It's his 12 disciples, his apostles. He sees what's going on. And it says... This took place about the fourth watch of the night. He, Jesus Christ, cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. (laughs) What a record! They're out there rowing against the wind, and they look over, and there's a guy just walking. Hey, how y'all doing? (laughs) That's a great record, man. But watch what their reaction is. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a what? Spirit, a devil spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, calm down, y'all take a chill pill, and said unto them, be of good what? Cheer. Cheer, it is I, be not afraid. The words be of good cheer means to have your thoughts well arranged. Now, what's significant about that? If you and I don't have our thoughts well arranged, you will forget God's word. Get your thoughts back in order. That's what he's saying. Look, dude, it's me. How how long I got to be around you guys before you realize this is me? And I do signs, miracles, and wonders. I'm the son of God. You can do it too. So on and so forth. But they did not remember to what? Remember. Remember. Wow. And he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measured and wondered. Now here's the great key verse 52 for they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was what hardened. They considered not the miracle of the loaves. In other words, just hours before they were a part of a miracle. They saw Jesus Christ take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 people, the record says. Yet, hours later, they see Jesus Christ walking on the water, and they freak out. Why? Because they failed to remember to remember. If they had considered the loaves, if they had remembered what Jesus Christ had just done hours before, they never would have freaked out. You see how that works? So what's the key for us? we got to remember to remember. So you know what you need to do? When God provides you with a victory in life, hold it. Keep it in your mind so that when the next challenge comes, you can say, oh, God did this for me yesterday. He'll do this for me today. God did this for me last week. He'll do this for me when? Today. But these men have forgotten just within a matter of hours. And it says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. What does that mean? That means they went back to handling stress according to their five senses. Rather than handling stress according to the great delivering power of God. They saw the miracle. They were there They saw it. They were a part of it. They saw that bread multiplying. They saw that fish multiplying. Yet, they did not remember it. Just hours later. So you see why I say it's important to remember, to remember. Here's one for you. I thought of this. And you guys keep this in your head and heart and share this with other people. Have you ever come to a fellowship and got blessed? Raise your hand. Okay. Everybody's come to a fellowship and gotten blessed, right? Right. So you ought to remember that on a Thursday night or a Sunday morning when you're tempted not to come. Remember to remember. Remember when you were here and you were blessed. Remember when you heard the manifestations of Holy Spirit and were blessed. Remember when you heard a teaching that blessed your life. Remember when you were upstairs sipping on some coffee, eating some cheesecake, and a believer shared something with you, and it blessed your life. Why do you need to remember? Because the adversary is going to try to talk you out of coming. See how this works? They did not string. You ever string popcorn? Yeah. Yeah. You string popcorn. What do you do? It's one kernel on another on another. We stream one victory on another on another. We remember... To remember. So as I close out today, in a couple of weeks we're going to do this service called communion. Communion is a memorial service for the single purpose of making or causing believers to remember what Jesus Christ accomplished for them. That's communion. It's to remember what Jesus Christ did. What did his broken body accomplish and what did his shed blood accomplish? You are to remember that. Remember to remember. Now let me ask you this question in in closing. If I remember on a consistent, faithful basis what his broken body did for me, do you think that might have some impact on my physical health? You think I might be a little more healthier? Mm -hmm. You think if I remember what his shed blood accomplished, the forgiveness and remission of sins, you think that might have some impact on how long I'm in condemnation? If I keep remembering it, I'll walk right out of condemnation. And guess what? It was a meal. It wasn't a special event. He didn't, hey, let's get a white tablecloth and let's get some candles. It was a regular meal. The staple of their dinner was bread and wine and whatever else they had. Jesus took the bread that they were eating and instituted say, said, hey, this bread represents my body that's going to be broken for you. This wine represents my blood that's going to be shed for you. Guess what? You can leave here today, go to, I don't know where you like to go. Maybe you like to eat at Sonic. And maybe you're going to get a a chicken sandwich and a lemonade. You can eat the chicken sandwich, and that chicken sandwich can remind you of the broken body of Jesus Christ. You can drink the lemonade, it can remind you of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to remember communion once a year. You can remember communion three times a day, or however often you eat. That was the whole purpose of it. So we want to remember to remember. Don't forget God's word. Remember to remember. And your life will be blessed. That's what I wanted to share. All right. Mm-hmm. Woo!